This episode of The Sweaty Penguin is brought to you by prom. Do you want a night that burns your high school social standing and relationship status into your memory for life? Go to the prom today. Welcome to this week's bonus episode of The Sweaty Penguin, Antarctica's Hottest Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Brown, and today isn't just any bonus episode, but it is the season two finale of The Sweaty Penguin Podcast. Now, don't you worry, we are rolling straight into season three next week, but before we get to that, you know I had to bring The Sweaty Penguin's amazing producers, Shannon Damiano, Frank Hernandez, and Caroline Kale back onto a bonus episode to recap this season. We'll talk favorite episodes, biggest takeaways, best behind-the-scenes moments, plus a surprise bonus segment, a bonus within a bonus, which was a ton of fun to record, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. Not only that, but we have got some very exciting updates about Season 3, which we will get to today as well. But before all of that, we gotta dive in with this week's environmental news. Following 2020's horrific Atlantic hurricane season, the World Meteorological Organization's Hurricane Committee announced that they would no longer name hurricanes after letters of the Greek alphabet so as to not repeat names in the future. I know the WMO has a new list of names they'll be using, but honestly, I think they just should have done what the Washington football team did. Take a hiatus, don't try to change your name immediately, and just name the Hurricanes Hurricane Football Team. Volvo has backed a moratorium on deep seabed mining for obtaining minerals for electric batteries. So now, youth soccer players don't have to be embarrassed all piling into one kid's mom's Volvo SUV after practice. Carpooling and no deep sea mining? That mom's a hero! Four years after a study that found a toxic chemical called orthothalates in macaroni and cheese packets, Annie's has now pledged to purge the chemicals from its mac and cheese. And while I guess that's progress, I'm a little confused. All your boxes say homegrown. What are you doing, growing the chemicals in a petri dish in Annie's garage? Honestly, I'd have given you the benefit of the doubt if your boxes didn't say homegrown and instead said subcontracted to a food supplier, but if you really have mac and cheese trees in your backyard, Annie's, you've got some explaining to do. Tennessee has been inundated with flash floods this week, racking up the second highest two-day rainfall ever recorded in Nashville. At this rate, Tennessee's going to be flooded with so much water that a boat will get stuck there. Conservationists in New Zealand have put out a call to find the South Island Kokako, a large, beautiful songbird widely believed to have gone extinct. The conservationists are offering a $10,000 reward, with a sign saying, Wanted, Preferably Alive. And honestly, as unlikely as it might be to find the bird, I still think they need to raise their standards from preferably alive. If you went on Tinder and wrote, Girlfriend Wanted, Preferably Alive, $10,000 reward, as lucrative as that offer sounds, you're just going to come off desperate. With rising temperatures promoting insects and mold growth, potato farmers in Michigan are needing to find new refrigeration techniques to preserve the potatoes that will one day be potato chips. Unfortunately for the insects, the potato chip facilities were 95% air. A few western states that are experiencing droughts have started experimenting with a new technology called cloud seeding, where aircrafts and drones fly up to the clouds and add small particles of silver iodide, which collect water droplets around them and essentially make it rain. 
According to scientists, every state would be making it rain too if Fat Joe and Lil Wayne weren't hogging all the silver iodide when they go to the strip club. Maine is considering building the nation's first floating wind farm off the coast, but lobster fishermen have protested the project, citing concerns that it may affect lobster populations in the area. Because you know when fishermen don't have lobsters to catch, they start getting really crabby. Through cloning, Harvard scientists are working to try to resurrect the woolly mammoth, because apparently some people watched Jurassic Park and thought, this is a good idea. Participants in the Netflix documentary Seaspiracy have been accusing the film of misrepresenting facts in interviews, but I guess we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, look at Netflix's genres. They list the politician as soapy, the great British baking show as relaxing, and the secret life of pets, too, as comedy. Do you ever put together an outfit and think, I wish this had flowers in it? If so, promise for you. With prom, you'll get to ship in random flowers from other parts of the world, kill them, put them on your chest or wrist for the night, and then throw them in the trash. What's more, you can buy a dress that required massive amounts of water and carbon to create, and then only wear it one time. Prom, the best night of your life for about three kids. Welcome back to the Sweaty Penguin bonus episode. I am joined by our lovely producers, Shannon Damiano, Frank Hernandez, and Caroline Kale. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here, as always. Happy to take a few minutes out of my busy schedule to talk with the people that made me. So glad to be here. Thanks, Ethan. These responses to my intros get better every single season. So season two in the books. Uh, It's pretty crazy. We're 40 episodes in, and in two weeks from when this episode airs, that will be the one year anniversary of the Sweaty Penguin podcast. How time flies. What do we get for the first year anniversary? Is it silver? What is it? You get like a little enamel pin. I'm pretty sure it's like paper or something dumb. Oh my gosh. What are you guys going to get us? <laughs> <laughs> guys, it's our anniversary. If you've been with us from the beginning. We apparently demand gifts from our audience. <laughs> We will be getting a Patreon up in the near future, so do keep an eye out for that. We'll be giving you gifts in exchange for you giving us gifts. So what has your biggest takeaway been from season two? This dates all the way back to episode 21, ADHD in October, all the way through to episode 40. So a lot of ground we've covered. Something that I've really just liked observing and just something that's really been my biggest takeaway from the whole season is just the organic growth that we've had in terms of like script writing, just our social content compared to like season one, early days of the podcast, we're, we've definitely grown as producers, as a podcast. And it's just something that I'm, you know, I'm really proud of. I'm really happy for, and um, I couldn't have wanted a better team. Yeah, this season we really stepped up our Instagram, our graphics game. ADHD was definitely the first infographic that we had. So that's all been really good. I'm very happy with how our Instagram was looking. We also did Sweaty Bachelorette. That's a little throwback. And we have some new graphics, new logos that are going to premiere next season. Woo! So excited. I think for me... I've just been really excited about 
the breadth of content that we've been able to cover. I mean, I'm just scrolling through this and it's like ADHD, electrification, maple syrup, landslides. Like those are all very different topics, yet they all connect back to our wonderful environment. And so I think it's been really exciting to see all the different ground we've been able to cover. It's also been cool to see some of the different opportunities for collaboration that we've had. You know, in this season, we did have our collaboration with Sustainability at BU with the um, Sustainability Innovation Seed Grant. And so we did four episodes collaborating with BU professors and talking about the BU Climate Action Plan. Absolutely. Back when I was first launching the podcast, I remember a lot of uh, people would come to me and be like, do you think you can do this for a long time? Like, are there enough topics to talk about? And at the time I was like, oh no, that's not an issue. But even then, I don't think I realized quite how far reaching this could go. I mean, I now see we can do an episode on any food we want, on any chemical we want, on any animal we want. Like it's just infinite how many topics connect to the environment, which is really, really exciting for the future because it means there will be no shortage of future episodes to create. Now, you brought up the Sustainability Innovation Seed Grant, which I would love to talk about since we never really talked about that. Uh, We talked about it a little bit, but we really just kind of made the episodes and let the experts speak. Uh, But after that four-episode stretch where we talked a bit about what uh, was going on on our campus at BU and on the front of creating climate action plans in general, how it pertains to buildings, to airplanes, to electricity, Did you have any particular thoughts or takeaways about those four episodes? I think one interesting takeaway that I saw coming out of the Sustainability Innovation Seed Grant was that um, institutions are really interested in doing their part oftentimes in sustainability efforts and in environmentalism efforts. Um, And, you know, sometimes that happens organically, depending on the institution, sometimes that has to arise from public pressure, but BU had this program available. And so it's a it's a clear sign to me that they are working to improve their sustainability efforts. Um, and then just talking to those four different professors, I thought was interesting because they shed light on a few different ways that multiple types of institutions can improve their practices. In terms of sustainability, for example, the episode on electrification, we talked a lot about how individuals and institutions such as, you know, businesses, governments, universities, whatever it may be, have a relatively high degree of power over what their sources of energy are and how those contribute to climate change or whether or not they convert to renewable energy. It gets easier with each passing day and electrification is one um, key example of that. And so I think that, and same with like say the episode on ventilation. That's another example of how an institution can choose to make changes in their buildings that can have really positive ramifications for the environment. And so I think that not only does this seed grant show me that there are institutions out there willing to proactively work on environmental issues, but also that uh, the topics of these episodes show that there's a lot of work to be done and they kind of explain how we get there. Yeah, I think one thing I'll add to that is something that struck me is just how difficult 
it can be to achieve carbon neutrality. So we talked about how an organization doesn't just have its emissions from uh, its electricity and its vehicles and fossil fuel burning on site, but it's got emissions from the table in the office that had to cut down trees to be manufactured. It has emissions from the food that you eat. It has emissions from the wastewater that it produces. It has emissions associated with the investments it makes. And to think about carbon neutrality in the sense of hitting all of those different sources, as opposed to just saying, okay, well, we're going to just get our energy from renewable sources and now we're set. No, it takes a lot of effort to do that. And that was something that was really striking to me. And then going into those kind of three subtopics with ventilation, electrification, and airplanes, seeing how some of these things aren't that straightforward to turn renewable completely, but there's a lot of improvements we can make and that will push us in the right direction. So yeah, I could talk for a while about those episodes, but I thought there was just so much interesting content there. And I'm really glad we had that chance to focus in a little bit on a topic like carbon neutrality for four episodes there. So I'm going to get into a little bit of a lightning round like we did last time. And I'll start with what was your favorite episode from season two? I think that my favorite episode would have to be electrification with Dr. Peter Fox Penner, because I do feel very passionately about renewable energy in general, but electrification was an issue that I was honestly relatively unfamiliar with until writing this episode. Personally, I think the episode that I really liked is the elementary education one. It's more about how to inform, you know, children about these big issues that uh, young adults or just, just people, grown people have a hard time grasping and then just giving it in a digestible way to children. It was definitely a really interesting one to write. It was very different since it wasn't a specific issue per se. It was more addressing a broader question of how we improve climate education and how we approach these topics with a younger audience. So I was a little nervous writing it actually. And I was really thankful after we finished the episode when you texted me and said, I think this is one of our best ones. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, And I did end up getting a lot of really good feedback on it. Mine was also elementary education, but if I had to pick another one, I think I would pick ADHD just because that's not something that I ever thought that we would cover. I just didn't know that there was an environmental aspect to ADHD. And our expert for that was also really good. She had a great interview. Frank, she was from the same town in Puerto Rico that you're from. Yeah, yeah. Um, One of us asked, where are you from? Or like, where in Puerto Rico are you from? And I was like, oh, in Caguas. She was like, I'm also from Caguas. And then we just had a bit of a repertoire about, you know, Caguas local area. (laughs) It was really nice. And I should add that they kept talking in Spanish for that conversation. And I'm, I'm okay with Spanish, but Puerto Rican Spanish is a little more difficult to understand for a non-native speaker. So I was doing my best to follow along and very much failing. No, ADHD was a really interesting episode. And another episode I really enjoyed from the season, and I enjoyed a lot of them, but I'm just going to throw this one in the ring, maple syrup. I was really surprised because... What happened is we talked to 
Pam Templer about winter climate change and how snowpack can affect maple tree health. And then Olivia was researching the episode and we had our little meeting to talk about it. And she says, you know, there's maple syrup cartels in Quebec. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, there's cartels that are government allowed, government run, that control the supply of maple syrup. And Quebec has 70% of the maple syrup in the world. And it turned into a whole second conversation in the episode. So I thought that was so interesting. And I definitely recommend that one for people to listen to. So next I'll go to what was your favorite behind the scenes moment from season two? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of them. I think like I'm trying to think of like what even happened. It's just like a long span of time. Um, but I know that every week without fail, I complain about the infographic because I do not have that beep down to science yet. I think that one of my fave behind the scenes moments this season, it's very minuscule, but I mean, we've been trying to like grow our Twitter presence. And Project Drawdown followed us first on Twitter, and I felt so famous. They are so cool, and the book Drawdown is amazing. And so when I saw that, I, like, actually freaked out. Like, I still have the screenshot of it on my phone. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of Twitter followings and retweets and shoutouts from some really, really cool organizations, universities, people, and that's certainly been a really exciting piece of the season and we've been able to secure a lot of our experts through Twitter. So what a great community to be a part of. My last question of our little lightning round that is not at all lightning speed. If you had to pick one episode from season two to recommend to a first time listener of the podcast, sort of introduce them to the show, which would you pick? Amazon Rainforest only because that is when we hit our audio quality benchmark like that is the audio quality that you should expect from the uh, the sweaty penguin like we have reached professional podcast level of quality in audio so start there and if you give us a chance and if you're willing to give us a chance go into the episodes down and bear in mind that the audio is not as good but the content i'll dare say it's good even greater I'm going to have to back up Frank with the Amazon rainforest because not only do we have the great audio, we also have, I think that monologue is very classic sweaty penguin within its jokes. We have the the big bird joke at the very beginning. So yeah, just very classic, authentic sweaty, plus this beautiful new audio that we have. Yeah, absolutely. And moving forward, that's our audio. So I'm so, so excited about what's coming down the line. And we're going to go to a break and then give you a first time bonus segment in the bonus episode that I'm surprising the producers with. I'll tell you what it is in a minute. But before we get to that, I need to tell you why we've got this new microphone and this new great audio quality. And that's because for season three, we have secured a partnership with Peril and Promise, 
PBS's multi-platform national climate initiative run out of WNET, their New York affiliate. Parallel Promise, The Challenge of Climate Change is a public media initiative from WNET in New York, reporting on the human impact of climate change designed to provide context, scientifically sound information, and fact-based journalism to audiences across every platform of public media. It also focuses on stories of exciting new frontiers of scientific innovation and resilience mitigation and clean energy. We are partnering with some of public media's most prestigious programs to use broadcast television, digital video, social media, and public radio to tell these stories to the widest possible audience, locally, regionally, and nationally, on air and online. So we're really excited. This is going to hopefully expand our reach, bring in new listeners. We'll be available soon on pbs.org. They'll be working with us on social media. We're talking about getting a YouTube channel up. So a lot of exciting stuff. And since the podcast is growing, we'll be certainly asking uh, for you listeners, you loyal listeners for the last year to help us out to keep it growing. So definitely, like I say, at the end of every show, give us a five-star rating, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, we'll be getting a Patreon up where you can help support the show even further. So a lot of really cool stuff coming down the pipeline. I uh, shouldn't say pipeline on an environmental podcast for season three. It's all exciting stuff. Just amazing that this is happening at the year anniversary, almost at the year anniversary of the podcast. It's, it's just amazing. I, I love it. Thank you, PBS. Thank you, PBS. We're so cool. We love you, PBS. And with that, let's take our break and then come back for our surprise bonus segment. Do you like smearing toxic chemicals all over your body? If so, promise for you. Most deodorants, perfumes, colognes, and hair products contain phthalates, and cosmetics regularly contain formaldehyde, parabens, toluene, and more toxic chemicals that seep into your body and cause a slew of adverse health effects. But hey, that will compare to the mental trauma of having no friends and no dance moves. Prom, because everyone needs to know who can afford limousines and skywriting. Welcome back to the Sweaty Penguin bonus episode. I've got Shannon Damiano, Frank Hernandez, and Caroline Kale, our producers. Now, Shannon, Frank, and Caroline, I promised you a surprise bonus segment, and I have got one. We have a season two Sweaty Penguin-themed Kahoot. (laughs) So the Kahoot has... 20 questions, one question themed off each episode. Some are very easy, some are a bit harder. So uh, we'll see how this goes. This is our first time doing this, but I think this will be a fun excuse to talk a little bit about each of the episodes from the season and see how much you all remembered. So our first question on ADHD Which of these chemicals is not a neurotoxin? Is it arsenic, chlorantranilaprol, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, or xylene? I'm a journalism major, Ethan. We each each picked the wrong one, like different (laughs) versions of the wrong one. (laughs) So this is one of the harder ones. So chlorantranilaprol, has not come up by name on the podcast, but it has come up before. It was in our lawn pesticides episode when we talked about acelaprin, which is a white grub control that is non-toxic to humans. Tricked me. Gotta, gotta start it off a little tough. Get them 
get them warmed up. All right, so next up is episode 22, Light Pollution. Which color light do male moths mistake for female moth pheromones when they're trying to get it on? Infrared, blue, yellow, or ultraviolet? Ugh. I'm, I'm stuck between two, uh, but everybody else answered quickly, so I guess I'm the only one. Going with my gut here. I answered quickly because I didn't know. I feel like I remember this. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I got it right. Frank, what made, you, what made you choose the correct answer than infrared? Well, I remember, if I remember correctly, most lights have some form of infrared wave. Question three on old growth forests, true or false? Old trees uptake carbon faster than younger trees. That is false. Caroline, what made you say false? Because old trees already have a lot of carbon in them and don't grow as fast as young trees. Exactly, so old trees don't uptake carbon faster. The younger trees uptake them faster, but what happens is many of the young trees don't survive due to forest fires or other stresses, and the carbon they uptake gets released into the atmosphere. So Caroline takes the lead, 914 points to Frank's 575. Shannon, we gotta get you on the board and okay, we'll see if this next question can do it. We're talking about organic and fair trade certifications, a Caroline-written episode, so oh, man. a little advantage. <laughs> True or false? If a product is labeled organic, it's safe to assume that it's USDA organic certified. I think I got this one, guys. Yay! Wait, I, wait. Okay. I got it wrong, but I have to dispute. <gasps> I have uh -oh. to dispute this question. Go ahead. Because of something, you legally can't label something as organic unless it's organic certified. You can't, though. No, you can't. You can say, like, natural, but you can't say organic. You can say the word organic. You just don't need to say USDA organic certified. Mom and dad are fighting. Guys, stop. You're making Guys, we're getting a divorce. <laughs> and it's your fault. I, I did pull that from the episode. So, listeners, if you know otherwise, feel free to weigh in. So, Frank takes the lead. 1171. Shannon is on the board now. Question five, carbon neutrality. Which of these emission sources would be classified as scope two, business travel, wastewater treatment, employee commutes, or electricity from a utility provider? Electricity from a utility provider is the correct answer. Who got it? Me! Shannon, why <laughs> did you pick electricity from a utility provider? It sounded good. So, we talked about in that episode, we have scope one, scope two, and scope three. So scope one is specifically on-site emissions. So you've got fossil fuels burned on site or um, on-site vehicles, uh, like the fleet that a company owns. Scope two is primarily electricity from utility providers. It's emissions that are directly used by the company, but aren't happening on site. So your electricity that comes from, say, a coal plant or a natural gas plant, those emissions are happening off-site. They're, the coal is being burned somewhere else and then being transported to you. So it's sort of one step removed. So Shannon takes the lead. Question six, this is from ventilation. 
On average, what percent of energy consumption in an office building comes from HVACs? 22%, 25%, 34%, or 39%? 39%, everyone put 34%. You're getting me on the minutiae, Ethan. Yeah, picture. So 34% is the share of energy from HVACs that is for ventilation. 39% is the share of energy consumption in a building coming from HVAC. So both numbers came up and this was a little bit of an unfair question because it's not that important in the grand scheme of things, but it goes to show, right? HVACs are the most energy intensive part of a building. Ventilation is the most energy intensive part of the most energy intensive part of a building. Electrification, another Caroline episode. Which of these renewable energy sources is not intermittent? Solar, wind, hydropower, or tidal? Who put hydropower? I did. Why did you put hydropower? Because the sun and wind are intermittent because we have nighttime and because the wind stops sometimes. And the um, tidal is also intermittent because like the tides rise and fall but hydropower is usually gathered in like rivers. And so they're gonna be producing the same amount of energy all the time because they have the same amount of flow constantly. That's exactly it. I think the big takeaway here is just because they're intermittent doesn't mean you can't rely on them, but you need to create storage capabilities. You need to be able to transport it and you need a good uh, portfolio. So. Question eight on airplanes. This is the toughest one in the quiz, so I put 30 seconds on the clock. The only economic question on the quiz. How do airlines fill all their seats and always have seats available close to departure? Is it that ticket supply is elastic, so airlines regularly add new flights? Is it that ticket demand is elastic, so airlines continuously change ticket prices? Is it that ticket supply is inelastic, so airlines like to keep extra planes on hold. <laughs> or ticket demand is inelastic, so airlines mix high prices with discounts. And we got three for three. The correct answer is ticket demand is elastic, so airlines continuously change ticket prices. And I am so proud to have three economists on the team. <laughs> Would someone like to chime in with why they picked this answer? I put this answer because ticket demand is elastic, which means that um, it's, not it's not a necessity for people. So demand is always changing based on um, prices. And I guess like it's more of a want than a need. So demand will change based on what the price is. And so the airlines will continuously change ticket prices based on demand. Um, so it's more of a responsive pricing model. And so that is why I chose that answer. It's all exactly right. Airplanes have a finite number of planes with a finite number of seats. They can't magically create 50 more seats if they have 50 more passengers. So you can't really say airlines regularly add new flights. They don't do that. So Caroline takes the lead, I guess, uh, speed 
uh, voted, voted well on this answer since everyone got it right. Uh, Shannon's in second, Frank's in third, but it is a close, close race right now. Now we are moving to a few much easier questions to cool down off that economics question. Uh, we're going to maple syrup. Where is 70% of the world's maple syrup produced? Vermont, Ontario, Michigan, or Quebec? That is Quebec, and we have all three correct answers. Someone like to share their insights. It's such a crazy statistic. How could you forget? Also, Ethan said it like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> that certainly, certainly helps. This is for international accountability. True or false, since treaties have many signatories, they often adopt less ambitious targets to accommodate everyone. And that is true. Caroline, you wrote this episode. Do you want to weigh in? So basically, if a treaty has more signatories as opposed to less, it's going to be less ambitious because ostensibly the goal is going to be to get the most people to sign on as possible and to do that you kind of resort to the least common denominator in terms of what people are willing to commit to and maybe not even follow through on it makes it easier for countries to say yes i'm going to sign on to this treaty and they'll get more signatories by making them less ambitious exactly so at our halfway point we have Caroline in the lead with 3,962 points, Shannon trailing very close with 3,856, and Frank trailing very close as well with 3,322. It is anyone's game on the Sweaty Penguin season two finale bonus episode, Kahoot. Let's go to our next question on landslides. True or false, studies have shown a link between climate change and landslides. That is true. Who remembers our landslide episode? I remember that. I remember when that came out. I remember that the graphic for it had Stevie Nicks on it because of the song, Landslide. Do you want to sing a little bit of it for us now, Shannon? I've been afraid of changing. That is correct. So while scientists are still researching the link between climate and landslides, Many recent studies have demonstrated a correlation, like when your friend introduces you to their boyfriend they met on Hinge a week ago and says, I think he's the one. Even though you don't have specifics, you know enough to be concerned. All right, we're on artificial intelligence. True or false? The oil and gas industry spent an estimated $1.75 billion on AI in 2018. That is also true. And we have three correct answers. It just seems like something they would do. So I click on true. <laughs> so AI can boost the profitability of current oil fields and explore the ocean floor in search of new fields, since finding new sources of oil is almost as hard to do as booking Honey Boo Boo for the Toddlers and Tiara's reunion special, apparently. This technology is huge for the fossil fuel industry. All right. I think we have a tougher one lined up now. We'll see if we can spread out these neck and neck points a little bit. This next one is on plastic straws. And we've got some chemical names. Plastic straws are made from polypropylene, which can leach which type of toxic chemical? Is it bisphenol A? Is it phthalates? Is it quaternary ammonium compounds? Or is it styrene? 
it is quaternary ammonium compounds, and we have zero correct answers. Uh, polypropylene is actually a safer type of plastic as compared to some of the other ones, but one chemical that they do leach is quaternary ammonium compounds, which can lead to skin issues, gastrointestinal issues, etc. So the score stays unchanged, but now we move to mangroves. Which seafood product plays a major role in mangrove deforestation? Shrimp, scallops, clams, or lobster? It is shrimp. We have two correct answers, Caroline and Frank. Would one of you like to weigh in? I know that shrimp are usually, you know, harvested in mangroves. And um, I figure that leads to deforestation. That they are. That they are. Shannon, what happened? You know, I was going to say shrimp. I was going to say it, and then I doubted myself when I went for clams. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get it back. We'll get the points back. We got it. Okay, and Frank is gesturing to me that I'm a loser, so I'm going to go ahead and mute myself now. I believe in you, Shannon. You are definitely still in it. Frank moves up to second place. Caroline starting to extend that lead, but it's still a close game within a thousand points. One wrong answer can change everything. 35, elementary education. Uh, two of you had that as your favorite episode. Let's see how much you remember. How many elementary school next generation science standards explicitly mention climate change? Zero, one, four, or five? It is zero, and all three of you got that right. Let's go! You might remember from that episode, there are some standards that express a related principle, like sunlight warms the Earth's surface, but if they're not building toward an understanding of climate change or it's ambiguous, that can get confusing. Teachers trying to decode and implement the NGSS standards can't see the forest for the trees almost as much as Dora the Explorer can't see Swiper. So I picked these numbers because there's zero in elementary school, one in middle school, and four in high school. That adds up to five total. And of course, Obviously, these related standards are important, but it's also important to know where they're headed. And we also talked about that the next generation science standards are not even in 50% of the states. So they certainly are a step in the right direction. This isn't a knock on them as much as it is. There's just a lot of work to do overall. Everyone builds up their scores a little bit there. We're on to the Great Barrier Reef with the question, what is Zooxanthellae? Is it a type of coral polyp? Is it a type of algae? Is it a type of plankton? Or a type of invasive starfish? You have two people who put algae, one who put plankton. Algae is correct. Uh, Shannon or Caroline, why did you put algae? I just remember that from the episode. You know, used to be a marine biologist kid. Love that episode, so nice. Such a great up. love it. Yeah, so zooxanthellae are the algae that the coral will eat, and they need it for food and for energy, and coral bleaching is when the coral gets stressed, often due to climate change, so they'll expel the zooxanthellae uh, because zooxanthellae release some toxic chemicals when they get warmed up, basically leaves the coral starved, and then they lose their color and can die if they don't get the zooxanthellae back. So it is a type of algae. 
So Shannon moves up in the score. Caroline still has the lead. We've got four questions to go. Still, everyone is in it. We are going to Corn, another Caroline episode. Which product demands the largest share of the United States corn crop? Is it corn on the cob, high fructose corn syrup, animal feed, or ethanol? I mean, why I just got that wrong? The whole group got it wrong. I was so confident it was animal feed too. Yeah. So it's close. So ethanol is 40%, animal feed is 34%, I believe. But ethanol is, ethanol's the biggest, but those two are really the big two. This question is on DDT. Which tropical fruit has been used as an alternative to DDT to repel mosquitoes? Is it passion fruit, papaya, lime, or pomegranate? is lime. Yeah, so in Costa Rica, they uh, use limes among a lot of other methods to control mosquitoes in an experiment to try to prevent malaria without DDT. Uh, lime, of course, was effective. It's also more expensive than DDT in those regions, uh, which is part of why it's tough to implement right away, but certainly a promising alternative. So two questions to go. We are going to the Amazon rainforest next. Caroline extends her lead at 9,176 points. Shannon on her heels, 83.66. Caroline, if you get these next two right, you should be in the clear, but we'll see what happens. Shannon, get off my heels, bro. Dude, I'm gonna psych you out over Zoom. Can't see me. How many acres of the Amazon rainforest are lost per year, 30 million, 59 million, 78 million, or 126 million? Uh, we have one correct answer. Is that Shannon? Doing the infographic strikes again. You guys gotta start looking at them. You guys gotta start looking. 78 million is correct. That uh, averaged out is a soccer field per minute, which Apparently why Brazil is so good at soccer. And I did not write a badumps into the monologue, but Frank added it. So apparently that was a bad joke. And it was like the perfect silence that was just left. And I thought, okay, Ethan knew what he was doing when he let this like space in between. No, sometimes I write them into the monologue when I know it's bad. And sometimes I find out after listening to the edit that it was bad and Frank had to fix it with a badumps. So. Shannon takes the lead, 9,303 points. Caroline, 9,176. Frank was 68.99. So this last question, which is on the episode that has not come out yet, and I have not written yet, will decide who wins this Sweaty Penguin bonus episode, season finale, Kahoot. This is on Rethinking Natural Resources, True or false, climate impacts on natural resources could lead to global conflict and even global violence. Very quick, all three put true. Would anyone like to weigh in on this one? I'd love to weigh in on this one, Ethan. 
as we've already seen kind of in the Rethinking Climate Change episode, we're already seeing the impacts of climate change and they are only going to get worse over time. And one of the key impacts that we're seeing as our climate changes is a difference in resource availability. Um, so whether that be not being able to grow certain crops because the climate has changed or because the climate has impacted the soil, um, and it doesn't, it can't support growing anything anymore. Certain areas might become food deserts. Um, we're also seeing, you know, increased rates of pollution from human activity. And so all of these things impact resource availability to the point where it could lead to resource conflicts and even violence if these resources are necessities for humans because, I mean, at the end of the day, we all need to have access to our necessities. and. If there is an issue of scarcity, that could lead to some really um, scary problems and violent conflicts. Couldn't have said it better myself. Let's see what happens with the scores. In third place, with 7,848 points, Frank, with second place, 10,1119 points, Caroline, and in first place, 10,246 points winning by, what's that, 127, Shannon. Man. It was rigged. Victorious. Stop the count. Stop I, the count. <laughs> I am victorious once again. Speech, 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 speech. I'd like to thank Ethan for making me make infographics because that's how I knew the answers. Thank you, Ethan. On that note, Caroline, Frank, and Shannon, thank you so much for joining me on this lovely season finale bonus episode. I will see you in 25 weeks for the finale of season three. <laughs> oh my God, 25 weeks. Jesus. Thanks, Ethan. It was lovely to be here. Thank you, Ethan. Keep up the great work, Ethan. This wraps up this week's bonus episode of The Sweaty Penguin. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you're a fan of the show, please tell a friend about it or leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts so more people find the show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week for the launch of Season 3. Today's episode was written by Ethan Brown, edited by Frank Hernandez, and produced by Ethan Brown, Shannon Damiano, Frank Hernandez, and Caroline Kale. Our ads were voiced by Shannon Damiano, and our music was composed by Brett Saka. Special thanks to the Boston University Build Lab. For bonus content, follow us on Facebook at Sweaty Penguin News, Twitter at Sweat Penguin Pod, or Instagram at Sweaty Penguin Pod. Guys, does it look like I'm in jail? <laughs> I'm going to leave that a little bit, and nobody's going to know <laughs> why I left that audio bit of you saying you, you're in jail. <laughs>